It's time for Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Todd Marquardt, attorney at law in Texas. If you're a millionaire or a thousandaire, Talk Law Radio is now on the air. Call in with your business law question, your elder law question. Veteran aid, Medicaid, build a business to get paid. 210-308-8867. Or ask a question online at marquardlawfirm.com. That's M-A-R-Q-U-A-R-D-T, lawfirm.com. And now, it's Talk Law Radio with Todd Marquardt. Welcome to Talk Law Radio. I'm your host, Todd Marquardt. Marquardt Law Firm is sponsoring our show today, and attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on business and estate law, including last wills, living trusts, tax-protected inheritance plans, new businesses, and old businesses, which might have issues with corporations, contracts, LLCs, FLPs, and we can represent those who are facing problems from lack of planning, like guardianships, probate, and we might be able to handle your litigation issues. Our staff includes me and uh, two other attorneys, Daniel Palmer and Alex Vollmer. Now it's time to discover your legal issue blind spots by listening to me talk about the law on the radio. The State Bar of Texas wants attorneys to uh, inform the public about the law, but because legal advice must be tailored to the specific circumstances of each case, and because laws are ever-changing, material discussed in this program is meant for general informational purposes only, and is not to be construed as tax, legal, or investment advice. Although the information has been gathered from sources believed to be reliable, Please note that individual situations can vary. Therefore, the information should be relied upon only when coordinated with individual professional advice. Before we get started talking about the law, let's begin with prayer. Dear God, thank you for this day and for all the gifts and blessings that you give to us. Please forgive us for our sins, our mistakes, for doing the wrong thing, or failing to do your will. Please help Dr. Name and me give good information to listeners about post-acute care today. Help us to use the gifts and talents you have provided for the good of your people, for our own good, and for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Okay, so today I have with me uh, our guest, uh, Dr. Bill Name, and I'll tell you a little bit about him before uh, we ask him to get into it. Um, Dr. Name has been involved in the medical specialty physician services as it relates to the long-term care and home health environment for over 20 years. He's a wound care consultant, a certified wound specialist through the American Academy of Wound Management, a member of the American College of Healthcare Executives, and he received his MBA in healthcare from the University of Texas. He holds a doctorate degree in chiropractic medicine and has served as both an international program director and educator for physician services in Cairo, Egypt, as well as a domestic director, senior vice president, and educator in the United States. In 2009, he founded National Wound Care Consultants, bringing wound care specialists, vascular and surgical specialists into nursing homes. In 2011, he was the key individual responsible for the fastest-growing wound care physician service company, starting the company in one city in Texas and expanding into 14 states, 
to more than 300 skilled and long-term care facilities. Over the past 20 years, Bill has focused his efforts on developing physician services on the unique needs and challenges of seniors in skilled nursing and long-term care facilities. Welcome to the show, Dr. Name. Thank you for having me. Tell us a little bit about the company that uh, you're focused on right now. Well, uh, this this physician group slash company that we are currently uh, working with and and have developed over the last almost now four four years focuses on post acute care skilled facilities, as you had mentioned, Todd, that provide to be able to provide specialists at the bedside for patients in those settings. Okay, and so what type of specialists are you working with? Yep. Uh, we currently have eight specialists and ready to be, we're getting uh, ready to add two more, which will give us 10 specialties altogether, 10 specialists. So that's cardiology, pulmonary, nephrology, peripheral vascular disease, dermatology, wound care, psychiatry, psychology, and we're in the process of onboarding neurology and pain management, which gives us the 10 specialties that are under our group. Okay. Wow, that's a lot. It is. And so when you say you come to the bedside, that's different than most people are are used to, right? Correct. Correct. This is the first. We're the only group, multi-specialty group, that we know of in the state of Texas that has all 10 specialists under one group and focuses on nursing facilities, assisted living, and the home health patient. Wow, that's really innovative. It is. It's that drive of creativity and innovativeness. And then, you know, when you see a need and necessity um, and, and you are able to uh, be creative in figuring out how to develop a program that can help. Um, it's it's just a wonderful gift. And how did you become interested in this industry? Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, it goes back again, as you had mentioned, I have been in the post-acute care settings for 23 years. Um, you know, we've seen a lot in the post-acute setting over these 23 years. My father had some cerebral strokes approximately 25 some years ago and ended up being transferred from the hospital to the nursing facilities to the nursing facility and I think this happens obviously this is a common occurrence that from the hospital they're discharged into the nursing facility upon admission to the nursing facility we as many uh, residents and, and, and patients families did not understand know completely what our rights are what our, you know, our father was requiring, needing, and what we can do. So I followed him to the nursing facility, which was close to our home, and I, uh, the, the medical director had already seen him. I missed the medical director by a few minutes, and I asked the, the director of nursing what was the order, what, what, what are we going to do? And the response was, well, the medical director saw him. He wants to uh, provide a feeding tube. Uh, and then a colostomy bag. I said, well, well, that sounds a little bit extreme. I mean, we just, he seems to be doing fine. Mm -hmm. Well, no, that's just what the medical director's ordered, and that's what we're going to go with. I said, well, uh, before we go with anything, I need to talk to my siblings, 
maybe reach back out to our physician that saw us at the hospital, which I did both. Um, and I said, I'd like to speak with the medical director. Um, it, uh, I could not get through the medical director till that afternoon, but I said, make sure nothing, no one, you know, nothing changes about my, my dad's right. care. So my father's care. And, um, so once I spoke with the medical director, I asked, uh, why, you know, why the feeding tube? I, I had already spoken again with my siblings and spoken with the, with our specialist, uh, the vascular specialist that had, uh, discharged him. Um, and my, the answer was, well, you know, it's safer for him than having to get up and walk and possibly trip. And, it's, you know, he's, he's in, um, in, in a uh, somewhat uh, unstable uh, condition. So the colostomy bag will serve for that and it'll be safer for him. Um, I wasn't sure that I accepted that. I said, well, about the feeding tube, same thing. It was, you know, it's safer uh, for his uh, because he has some troubles in swallowing. Well, there wasn't really much trouble there, and we thought that being at a skilled nursing facility, they would provide the specialized food. They would have two people to transport him to the uh, to the bathroom, to, and and so we thought that those could be avoided. Well, mm -hmm. we could not go around that. As many patients experience nowadays, we just couldn't go around with it. Uh, they said, hey, the medical director makes the call. This is what needs to take place. And I had already spoken with, like I said, the specialist and my my siblings, and we decided that the only way we're going to prevent from those two procedures taking place was to discharge my father against the medical director's will or orders mm -hmm. uh, home. Well, my father went home, uh, stayed with us for the next seven years, never needed a feeding tube, never needed a uh, colostomy bag. Thankfully, um, and this, unfortunately, 23, 25 years later, still takes place, mm -hmm. these unnecessary procedures, and uh, among other things. But the reason is because there was no specialist. I was fortunate to be able to reach out to the specialist, but there are no specialists in nursing facilities back then, and there are no specialists now. And this is what kind of got me that in addition to the 23 years that I've spent in this uh, niche, if you will, this this really unique uh, post-acute setting, and seeing the necessity and the need and the unnecessary strokes and heart attacks and other catastrophic uh, uh, health uh, crises that took place, you could just see that 90% of these the patients here, this population, the senior population, requires specialists, and we saw this over and over again, and decided to take action. Yeah, thank you for sharing such a personal story. I'm sure that that had a, a tremendous impact on you at the time and your family and how do we take care the best that we know how of our father. That's uh, awesome that it led you in that direction. Uh, I had a similar experience in that um, my dad's mom was in the nursing home when I was in law school and um, my granddad was scared to death of poverty because uh, I was visiting one day, and he said, I said, how's Grandmommy doing? And he said, well, they kicked her out of the nursing home. Wow. And I said, really? She's the nicest lady I've ever known. What could she have done to get evicted from a nursing home? Well, he said, well, Medicare's not going to pay. Well, in his mind, that meant she's evicted because how else would he pay for it? Well, he couldn't bring her home because uh, he, he couldn't move her and, and take care of her in the way that she needed. And it was even more expensive to bring a 24-7 caregiver home. 
And so again, in his mind, he was he was just going to die of poverty. And so I, I said, Granddad, I think there's something that we can do to help you qualify for government benefits. Well, he didn't take my advice because he's my granddad and <laughs> he was a little bit stubborn, but that's what gave me the idea to get into elder law. So like you, it was a family situation that got me interested and got me started. We'll talk after the break about what you meant by um, how you could bring specialists into nursing homes. So stay tuned. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Our court law firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. It can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm, marquardtlawfirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm here on 930 AM The Answer, and we're talking with Dr. Bill Name about post-acute care. Welcome back, Dr. Name. Thank you. Thanks for having me. So we, we were talking a little bit about our family situations before the break and, and how we had a loved one in a nursing home. And you, you also mentioned um, that the, the post-acute care special, specialist group that you're a part of uh, goes to the bedside. Uh, what are nursing homes missing? Well, that's a great question, Todd. Um, you know, starting... A decade or so ago, nursing facilities started, uh, nursing homes started receiving uh, sicker patients. And now, more than ever, uh, nursing facilities are having sicker and higher acuity patients um, under their care. So, as with my father and your grandparent story, 23, 25 years ago, there were no specialists. There are no specialists now, but the higher acuity of patients now more than ever requires a higher level of specialized care, which does not exist. Um, And we find that more than 80% of patients in nursing facilities have a peripheral vascular disease. We find a majority of patients have heart disease, uh, pulmonary, lung disease, whether it's COPD, pneumonia, things of that sort, nephrology, kidney disease, many are on kidney dialysis. So this specialized care really was developed to address the needs of the patients and senior population in this setting. And what, again, what they're missing is the knowledge, the expertise, the specialist required to address these patients that have multiple diagnoses, multiple disease, comorbidities that really require a specialist to be at their bedside. This is what is contributing to what Medicare uh, has shown, $26 billion in readmission to hospitals, where the majority of that comes from mainly 
uh, uh, pneumonia, one, over 1.5 million readmissions of pneumonia, 2 million readmissions annually of uh, heart disease, and they, the experts agree that the majority of these patients did not need to be readmitted if they had just seen a specialist. So again, for the patient and their families, this is a, an answer that they've been seeking and needing where they can have a specialist at the bedside. They can, prev you know, we're there as specialists focusing on a disease process and a diagnosis that's existing with a patient and preventing, working to as a proactive versus the old reactive method of patient deteriorates, symptoms show up, they get transported to the ER and again readmitted to the hospital. We're taking the proactive approach of being at the bedside, rounding in these facilities, and preventing heart attacks, strokes, limb amputations, kidney failures, things that are preventable if a specialist was at the bedside for the patient rounding in these facilities. This is what we've done at 85% less utilization, in other words, less visits, and at 20% of the traditional healthcare costs. That's what we've been able to do to provide the care so that no one can say, well, it's too expensive. No, seniors in these settings de deserve equal access to specialists and now the financial piece, the cost is not a part of that. As a matter of fact, as I said, it's 20% of traditional healthcare costs. If they wanted to see a specialist, they would have to have an ambulance or something to transport them Correct. if they have some of these higher acuity type problems. Well, now you talk about the old way of doing the right. healthcare delivery, right? Is patient basically is, is, in, a, is in, in one of these beds in these facilities for from 12 days to becoming their permanent resident, three mm -hmm. years, lifetime, right? And... What happens is the primary care physicians, the medical directors, have a lot on their plate, and they're trying to do what they can. But to have a specialist there, again, focused on that disease process, that's what has made the difference in, in preventing the unnecessary procedures, unnecessary referrals to uh, interventional procedures, to uh, uh, diagnostic, expensive diagnostic centers. Uh, and like you said, to specialists, you have to... Most of the times, well, what what we found is that if we're not there doing rounds on a regular basis, 98% of the time when we get a call regarding to go see a patient, it's too late, right? Patients already developed symptoms. They've developed the signs and symptoms of, of deterioration. Uh, they're decompensating. They're going into failure of some type. They're, they're, they need to be going directly to the ER and readmitted to the hospital. What we're trying to do is avoid all that. Yeah. That's the new concept, the change that a lot of a lot of folks in in this arena are resistant to this, like many other, uh, in, you know, uh, industries. Uh, people are resistant to change. So, did was it that the medical directors of nursing facilities thought that they could be an expert in all of those uh, subspecialty fields, or did this sort of just creep up on them? <laughs> Well, you know, it's 25, 50 years ago, like we said, there was no specialist, and the primary care physicians came in, the internists came in, and, and internal medicine into these areas and kind of became the medical directors. So it's been their arena. It's been their, you know, office, if you will. Um, that's how they treat it, and they figured they could, they've been a they're able to care for all these different disease processes, and they're going to continue. But what they're not noticing is, or some of them that do notice that, there are a higher level of acuity patients being brought to these 
facilities, these nursing facilities that require specialists to see them. Um, you know, again, we're all trying to do the best thing we can. Primary care physicians are seeing these patients with these uh, comorbidities and, and these diseases. They'll see them six, seven times a month, right, based on clinical necessity. And, and this is where we come in as specialists. As specialists, we're able to see that patient, evaluate, and make sure meds are stable, make sure patient's stable, you know, everything's going well. We'll see them in two months, three months. So we decrease that visit, that utilization, which is, again, Medicare just came out with an article talking about the overutilization in visits, um, which, again, over the last 25 years, 50 years, this has been, and the majority of that comes from this setting. So higher, sicker patients being seen more often uh, by the general practitioner there, medical director, it's time for specialists as they round in hospitals and have done, they need to start rounding in the nursing facilities, assisted living, post-acute setting, and that's what we've been able to develop with this program. What, what other innovations have you developed in order to uh, make it efficient for your specialists to do these bedside visits? Yeah, so we have, uh, we have advanced nurse practitioners and physician assistants in different areas in Texas, we, uh, in, in San Antonio, surrounding area, Austin, Dallas, Houston. They are the front line for us, right? They are the ones that are hands-on rounding. Now, if they walk into a patient's room and they ask the patient's name and they write a visit note on it, that patient, if they were being seen for lung disease or heart disease, that visit note from that advanced nurse practitioner um, has to go back to the medical to MD specialist of that disease who reviews, goes through the plan of care, and agrees and signs off on it and, and, and sends it back to be uh, sent out back to the facility with, with all the information that's uh, needed for medications and, and care. So that had to be done through cloud-based. So our EM, we have one EMR system, one telehealth system, um, one scheduling platform, all cloud-based, made easy. There's a, a, a continuum of care between all the different specialists. So if one of our specialists sees a patient for lung disease and the other one sees a patient for kidney disease, they have the same EMR system. They're looking at the same records. There's no lag of time or disconnect between the specialists. And that is all that information and all the, the technology that we have put together to develop a, a seamless an automated system is a, what has contributed to us being able to go out, visit these patients at the bedside, uh, get the information to the specialist, the reviewed, and if they need to, again, they can see the patient on uh, through video, live video, and they can see the patient through HIPAA-compliant uh, uh, videos, and all of our records, everything is done to cloud-based, and they're able to speak with the advanced nurse practitioner directly regarding the patient's condition. Well, you mentioned... Um Telephone visits, uh, Zoom, video, HIPAA compliant. Well, uh, your business sort of came around at just the right time <laughs> because with the pandemic and everything, uh, p- people are sort of forced to do that with uh, their healthcare professionals when maybe they didn't do that before. Todd, force is the right word. We started, we attempted to start this four years ago. 
um, but nobody was interested in doing uh, doing even still shots of wound care or, you know, uh, through HIPAA compliant emails or anything of that sort. Or, and definitely the video, uh, you know, what we currently have partnered with a couple of companies, one of them being iDocs Web, and uh, we do the telemedicine calls, uh, what we call the telehealth or telemedicine calls. Uh, nobody was interested in that four years ago. So we've been kind of geared, if you will, and this is uh, maybe a blessing in disguise, but it did, I say, it brought the rest of the industry to where we were and where we are. So this is what's exciting about this is now everybody has jumped on board. Unfortunately, it's because of COVID. Yeah, there was a, uh, because of a public health emergency, the uh, Secretary of Health and Human Services, uh, pursuant to the Public Health Service Act, um, renewed uh, the, the public health emergency as as early as um, October, um, so we're still determined to be in that public health emergency. And and one of the things, one of the regulations that has been waived, are the uh, the licensing limitations of physicians and the penalties under the Health Insurance Portability and Accountability Act, the the HIPAA regulations. Um, but um, things are probably getting more innovative all the time. You mentioned that your your video conferencing system is HIPAA compliant. Correct, correct. All of our what we use it must be HIPAA compliant, right? I think some of these uh, waivers or you know the fact that you could use certain type of platforms now for telemedicine will go away. Um, but what we use has been in HIPAA compliance and will continue to be, so we'll continue to use the same systems. Good. Okay, well, we've got to take a break, so we'll be right back. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. I'm here interviewing Dr. Bill Name with uh, post-acute care uh, specialists, and we're talking about uh, what happens in a nursing home and how his uh, physician group can bring in specialists to the bedside. And one of the things I'm going to ask uh, Dr. Name about is uh, readmission rates and the, the government's um, changes in laws uh, to encourage hospitals and other institutions to somehow reduce the rate of readmission. That's when uh, you're discharged from the hospital and uh, you don't get better, things get worse, and then you have to go back in. Uh, of course, Medicare is uh, the one that pays for a lot of these bills, and so the the Congress and the Senate and the President wanted to uh, reduce the the rate of readmission just so that they could lower uh, the cost of health care. And one of the, the the laws that came out was uh, under the Patient Protection and Affordable Care Act, and then there was another law that came about called the Twenty First Century Cures Act. And so, uh, Dr. Name, uh, will you talk a little bit about readmission and uh, why that's bad and and what we're doing to try and limit that? Sure. Uh, 
So during the past 42 months, post-acute specialists, our, our group has seen more than 5,000 new patients within 36 nursing facilities, home health agencies throughout Texas. We have reduced the ER visit readmissions by 50%, 30-day hospital readmissions by more than 50%, and the long-term patients, that long-term residents that have been in these nursing facilities for uh, or are there for, for as a residency for life um, or there for three, six, nine months uh, and on, uh, we've reduced that readmission to the hospital rate by more than 60%. Now, we've also reduced medication costs. As specialists, we're able to change those medications and make sure that the proper amount and level of medications uh, is, is being utilized. Um, we've reduced the referral of vascular and, and other type of procedures that normally had we had specialists not been there to say, we can manage this here at the bedside, we can manage this in the facility, those would have been referred out. And again, those would have been uh, sent back to, to the hospitals for readmission. Now, Medicare has claimed... $26 billion annual uh, readmission cost, and the majority of that, per Medicare and research, $17 billion of it is preventable if the patient had seen a specialist. And again, $1.5 million, pneumonia due to pneumonia uh, annually, $2 million to heart disease, um, those can be prevented. This is what we do, right, as specialists. Um, and so this is something that for the insurance companies, for Medicare, Medicaid, we have over the last this 5,000 patients plus, we have saved tens of millions of dollars in readmission, right? The average readmission for uh, pneumonia is, uh, per, again, this is looking at my data here and in, in research, uh, $10,800, right? Uh, one of three hospitalized uh, die within one year, okay? That's for the pneumonia. Now, for heart disease, the average hospitalization cost is $16,000, okay? The emergency ER cost is approximately $10,000 to $11,000. So aside from the catastrophic, waiting till things happen and the catastrophic healthcare crisis that takes place to the patient and the families, the, and the patients that are in these facilities, you've got a huge cost. If you talk to insurance companies, you know, we're providers for Humana, Aetna, TRICARE, you know, all these different insurance companies. And if you talk with the insurance companies, you talk with the Medicare, Medicaid, their biggest cost, and even the hospital systems that are under accountable care organizations or bundle programs. So they make, they make, uh, 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 plans with and, and, and programs with Medicare in order to take a lump sum of money for patients with heart disease or, or, or other diseases and manage those upon admission to the hospital 30 days after, 90 days after in the bundle programs. Their biggest cost to all of these, their common denominator, the biggest cost is unnecessary hospitalizations, unnecessary ER visits, unnecessary referrals to interventional procedures, and unnecessary referrals to di expensive diagnostic centers. Well, if you have a specialist at the bedside, we have shown that we can decrease those unnecessary referrals by over 50% and in cases over 70%, and that's what we do. And the best thing is, at the same time, we're able to prevent patients from and their families from having to suffer these catastrophic health crises because they 
We didn't wait. We took a proactive、mm-hmm. care. So that would mean a lot for you know somebody whose loved one is receiving treatment because the I see their faces. They're in distress. They're they're looking for a way to get better and hopefully come home and and try and and live a normal life again. But also,、uh, what you seem to be doing should be reducing the. Amount of money that Medicare is paying out and reducing the overall cost of healthcare. Is your phone just ringing off the hook? I, you are correct about the first <laughs> part. <laughs> We are trying to reach out to these payer sources. It seems like they're the ones who ultimately make the decision、um, to allow us into these facilities to be at the patient's bedside or to be providing the the, the different specialized care at the home health. We're reaching out to the insurance companies. We're pleading with them: call us. We have the ability to care for your patients at a lesser cost, twenty percent of the cost of traditional care. There's no transportation, no transfer of patients, no risk at the patient to be hurt through the transportation process or anything else. And it's convenient, to, like you said, for the families and the patients. And they would love, from what we see, again, not just because it's our specialist, but I think just having a specialist for the family, they. Get a peace of mind, and they get a sense of security that they've had a specialist look at their loved one. So, from that patient perspective and the family perspective, it's it's just a remarkable thing to have that was never available for my father or your your grandparent.、Mm-hmm. And so now to have that available and to have it available and covered under the insurances and covered and have the and even save the insurances and the hospital systems. Money. Yeah, in, in, in I was、that. just going to ask about that. How is your service paid for? How are the specialists compensated? In the same way as the general practitioner, medical director that's in the nursing facility, we bill the Aetna, the Molina, the Humana, the Tricare, Medicare, the same rate. We bill them the same rate for our specialists. We don't charge any more, right? And again, we are. Extremely effective clinically at preventing the unnecessary procedures and readmissions, and so I urge the insurance companies, and we've tried to reach out to a number of insurance companies to tell them that we here's a program that, through 23 years of being in this space, we have developed, and it's feasible, and it's effective clinically. And it's something that, again, for them is going to be mean tens of millions, hundreds of millions, for them in. Bottom line, and we're willing to take this program for them and develop it for them, even if we're not able to go outside of Texas. But let's focus on Texas. Where are these insurance companies? Where's the Medicare director, state director? Where's the Medicaid? Because these are the patients that we're seeing that, that are in these、mm-hmm. facilities, but yet we're being blocked from being able to go in. So we're reaching out and hoping that. Some you know the the payer sources, like I said, the insurance companies. They look at us and they look at our program. Go to our website, postacutespecialists.com. You have all the information there. You can you can schedule a, a, a Zoom call with me for twenty minutes, and I can discuss that with you. We try to reach out to the to the insurance company、uh, VP of, of provider relations, contracting, strategic thinking that. You know, VP of Strategic Alliance is going to be somebody who's going to see the what we're doing. We can't even get to them. So I ask you. I mean, if if we're paying for it ultimately, right? Because of higher premiums, these unnecessary procedures from unnecessary readmissions. Why can we not go in 
And why are these insurance companies not reaching out to us and seeing and finding out how we can deliver this specialized care to these patients, the senior population, at a lower cost in more effective manner? So who do you think it is that's uh, blocking you? Well, I mean, you know, we, the administrators, uh, in some cases the administrators, um, the corporate office of the nursing facility, they've got their own program, and the medical directors. Um, you know, it's, again, the latest uh, that came out from Medicare about overutilization is meaning too many visits. Well, mm-hmm. we can reduce those. But if you're a fee-for-service group, you're mm-hmm. a fee-for-service medical director, you're seeing that patient six, seven times a month, and we come in once and say, all right, patient's good. We'll right. see them in two months. You, you know, and with all the concerns and care that you have, there's no need. The specials already come in and, and done that. So it does cut into that bottom line for, for them, and they have the reasons, and the administrators, and usually they're working with the medical directors. The medical directors are tied into the hospitals, and there's this whole kind of uh, relationship that takes place. And mm-hmm. We're not trying to break that up. We're just saying that there's a more effective, better way. And if you're a payer source like an insurance company or Medicare and Medicaid paying billions, mm-hmm. this is the program. This is the new era of the landscape of healthcare delivery in post-acute care. Something needs to get better. Correct. Okay. Uh, so if you have your physicians and specialists uh, traveling around town to everybody's bedside, uh, what, what challenges do you have in making that work when there's – downtime in the car in between visits yeah you know we really don't have that is not a challenge for us i think the challenge has been to have the medical directors understand this new landscape having the administrators and nursing facilities understand the new landscape of delivery of health care that is now not the same as it used to be which is the old health care delivery system so we're having the resistance a lot of people don't like the change Again, we think the payer sources, the hospital systems, the, the bundle programs that they're with, the accountable care organizations that they're in, those are the folks that are ultimately going to make the change here. We don't have a challenge because many of these patients, when we go to these facilities, we can't, when we're in these facilities, we've got plenty of patients. So the, 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 the minor time that it takes to, to go from one facility to the other is really not the issue, Todd. What's been the issue is the, the blocking and, and the, the keeping us out uh, of those facilities. Okay. Well, thank you for that. We're going to take a short break, but come back and, and listen to us talk some more about post-acute care specialists. You've heard him on Talk Law Radio. Now work with his firm yourself. Marquardt Law Firm is the go-to firm in San Antonio for wills, trusts, and powers of attorney. Want to have a say on who will get your money and assets when you die instead of leaving it up to a judge? Then you need a proper estate plan in place, and Marquardt Law Firm can help you do just that. They can also develop a strategy for your long-term care financing and help maneuver the complicated Medicaid process for your family. Call them today to schedule your no-cost legal consultation. Call 210-530-4278. Again, that's 210-530-4278. 
Protect what's yours with Marquardt Law Firm. MarquardtLawFirm.com. Welcome back to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. We're on 9.30 a.m. The Answer, or you're listening to our podcast. Uh, You can find our podcast on TalkLawRadio.com. You can listen to it on Apple uh, Podcasts, or you can listen to us uh, live instead of on the radio. You could go to 9.30amtheanswer.com and stream our show on Saturdays at 11 o'clock in the morning on AM Station 930. So again, we're here with uh, Dr. Bill Name talking about post-acute specialists, and we just got finished talking about a little bit about readmission rates and insurance savings. Um, but Dr. Name, you know that uh, Marquardt Law Firm sponsors our show, and the attorneys at Marquardt Law Firm focus on last wills, living trusts, and uh, legacy planning. So we like to ask our guests a little bit about their legacy. Um, think just for a minute and share with our listeners, if you will, what's a, a legacy that you would like to leave to your family or uh, a legacy that you think you'll be remembered for in the healthcare industry? Yeah, a tough question. Um, well, from, from from the healthcare industry, it's kind of mirrors what I was trying to accomplish and, and worked with with the prior uh, program, physician service program, uh, taking it to 14 states and, and 300 plus facilities. Same with this, right? So this is a needed and necessary, it's a matter of life or death uh, level of care that's required and it's needed in the senior population. Um, you know, specialists at the bedside has to has to be already have arrived. Okay, we're we're really behind. So being able to accomplish our mission and the purpose of our group to provide all seniors with equal access to specialists and develop this program nationwide. Like I said, we're welcoming and we'd partner with uh, insurance companies, hospital systems. They want to develop this program. We will help them develop this program so it can it can reach the senior population that need it. And if we can be or I can be the, the key person that had uh, that had a say and ability to develop and bring this program to the senior population, um, then that that would be a, a great uh, legacy to leave. Yeah, they might name some uh, new law after you. <laughs> I don't know about that, but I'd be happy with just just accomplishing. Uh, yeah, I've, I've just been thinking as as we've been sitting here that um, the legislators in Austin and the congressmen and senators in Washington D.C. should be uh, meeting with you and talking about how to make this nationwide just to serve their own interest of reducing the cost of health care so that um, it's not as big a part of the federal budget. We would love and welcome that opportunity. We want to share this. You know, it's it just reminds me of some of the technology that um, some of the car companies have, have come up with for patient safety that they've shared with other uh, companies to make it safer and more affordable. We want to be able to do the same this is a program that needs to be out in the senior population, especially now. 
especially at this time, more than ever. And you mentioned in your story at the very beginning of our program how you and your siblings came together to to help make uh, medical decisions for your father. Um, if if y'all hadn't all been there at the same time, um, then you may have um, had some conflict or disagreements about what the best thing would be for your father. I've I've had clients in my office where everybody loves each other dearly, uh, but they all have different ideas about what's best. So that's where in my office we might talk to somebody about a medical power of attorney where they can appoint one person to be the the point person who would sign and and give consent to physicians and a a particular uh, plan of care. we try and reduce family conflict by putting everything in writing so that it's a comprehensive, legally enforceable plan. Um, but it's a good thing that you and your siblings could come together and make those decisions for his benefit. Um, but for those families that are all spread out or uh, you already know that some of family members are going to disagree uh, it's a good idea to name somebody. And then again, we can also uh, provide uh, information and advice on uh, directives to physician. That's where you can uh, decide in advance if you have a strong preference whether or not to withhold or withdraw life support if you are terminally or irreversibly ill or injured, most likely suffering from a coma or a vegetative state. You can uh, decide in advance, put your wishes down on paper, and then you might be able to avoid the heartache and headache of having a loved one make that uh, difficult decision of uh, pulling the plug, so to speak. So in addition to having these legal documents in place, you you want to name somebody who's going to be sophisticated enough to go talk to the physicians and ask the tough questions and ask for a specialist and uh, demand that something else been done. Uh, Your father was very lucky to have you, Dr. Name, and and, uh, push for what you thought was going to be in your father's best interest. Um, So in just the couple of minutes that we have left, I want to remind our listeners about uh, how your physician's group really helps. So what what's the one thing that you want to leave our audience remembering today? You have the right to specialists. <laughs> uh, you can have a specialist. We provide our specialized care in nursing facilities, assisted living, and to home health agencies via telemedicine across the state of Texas, anywhere uh, that you or your family or your loved one uh, is uh, in the post-acute setting. Um, We're just a, again, you go to postacutespecialist.com. We have all our information there, contact information. Um, It's really a simple a step uh, away from receiving the, the specialized care that your loved one uh, requires. So they don't need to get permission to call you? 
Uh, they well, that's a process that does. This is where the medical director, right? We went back to that originally. It's kind of the medical director's call. So they have to have the blessing of the medical director. They have to have the blessing of the primary care physician. This is why we're pleading with the Medicare, Medicaid, and the insurance companies to allow us to be able to see these patients based on existing diagnosis, disease processes that are there. And so if we're able to do that with the insurance companies, it's in their best interest, their benefit, and the patients to be able to directly access those patients. At this time, we as consultants and specialists need to have, since we don't have the insurance companies with us and in and, and, and their uh, either accountable care networks or uh, those type of programs that they have or the bundle programs with the hospitals, we must have a primary care physician or in the facilities a medical director uh, blessings and orders. So if somebody does call you first, will your staff in your administrative office, will you help them uh, coordinate um, that request with their primary care and the and the medical director we we will let them know what the process is and if their primary care physician or medical director would like to speak with us we're we'd be glad to uh, speak with them um, yeah that's what how we can be of help but it really requires uh, currently since again since we're not with the insurance companies and the bundle programs and the hospital systems working with the discharge patients that are coming out of the hospital to follow them which would be ideal for insurance companies and hospitals we have to rely on the primary care physician and the medical director for that referral so if uh, but again these are existing diagnoses existing disease processes in in the in the patients with the patients, and so it should not, you would think, it should not be an issue to have a specialist at the bedside for your loved one. Well, everybody knows that the, the medical and healthcare industry has become specialized, and everybody probably needs to see a specialist because there's so much information out there, so, so much new technology, so many new procedures and new medications that it makes sense for physicians to specialize in different areas because it's too much to know everything about everything. Exactly, Todd. Simple question. If your mother, father, loved one had a heart disease, lung disease, or kidney disease, do you want them to see a general, would you send them to see a general practitioner, family doctor, or would you send them to a specialist? You would send them to a specialist. Exactly. Okay, so thank you for listening to Talk Law Radio with your host, Todd Marquardt. We've been talking to Dr. Bill Name with uh, post-acute care, postacutespecialists.com. You can visit his website to find out more about how they might be able to help. And you can also talk to your primary care physician or your medical director at the nursing home if you want to bring them in to help you out and get a a specialist's opinion and and receive specialist care. Uh, Tune in next week. Uh, We'll be back with uh, other topics about the law. And if you have suggestions for us, we're open to it. Um, I have lots of things I like to talk about, but if you have some peculiar legal question, uh, please email me at host at talklawradio.com. That's H-O-S as in Sam, T as in Timothy, 
at TalkLawRadio.com, and we will work to get your questions answered on the air. Again, this is Todd with TalkLaw Radio, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>